We made it, guys. We're in a brand new season, a brand new year. I love that. Thank you for joining us online, and thank you for joining us in person. If you're here with us in the room, we're so glad you're here. Now, there's something special when we gather together on the first day of the week. I think there's something extremely special when we gather together on the first Sunday of the year. Like, there's just something about that. There's just something that we look forward to as even though like we look at the calendar changing and we think like, what is the big deal? It's just a date on the calendar. But there's a natural reset that happens in our hearts. And I like to take advantage of that. I like to, to get into that um, and use it as a time to refocus and to reset my heart. Well, you heard an announcement that we are kicking off our 21 days of prayer and and fasting. And that's an important time here in our church community because we take time to pull back, get with the Lord, get a word for him, and to set the course of our life. Do you know that the word revival means to revive and restore? And I don't know about you, but with the year that we just had, I don't know about you, but I need a spiritual refreshment. I need, I need the Lord to restore some things in me, and I can't think of a better thing to do than to start our year with taking that time to allow the Lord to do that. Now, we know that we wish that things would change um, and go back to the way they used to be. I think when we look back at this year or this time this last year, we were probably thinking that things wouldn't have ended up the way they did, and we're hoping that things will go back to the way they used to be. And I know we still have some concerns, and there's still some things that we're still working through but we know that we have a God that is in control. We know a God that wasn't surprised when all these things happened this past year. And so we look forward to that same God to take control of what's going to happen in this new year. How many are with me? If you are, say amen. Amen. Say, I'm ready. Lord, have your way. That's a powerful prayer when you can say, Lord, have your way, because that puts our trust in him and him alone. You know, the Bible tells us that we ought to plan and set a course for our life. The Bible tells us that it's something that we can do on our own, that we could set some time to pull back and to plan our life, that we ought to do that with our life. We aren't to just live our lives going from one day to the next and just floating on by, but God says that he's given us this mind to think through of where we want to be, what our lives should look like, that we could set the course, and God blesses that. God allows us to plan things in our lives. In Scripture, in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5, he says this. He says, he says, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. See, God loves it when we come up with a plan. God loves it when we are intentional about how we spend our time, how we spend our resources, how we do things in our lives, and where our priorities are at. He says, make a plan, is what God tells us and instructs us in his word. In Psalms 20, verse 4, he says, May he give you the desires of your heart and make all your plans succeed. See, God delights when we make a plan for our lives, when we set a course. But we know that we hold our plans loosely because we know this. The scripture tells us also that we can plan in our hearts. It says, Proverbs 6, 9, it says, In our hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord determines their steps. That we can make these plans, and God delights in the plans that we make. But he's the one that directs our lives when we set our hearts on him. So when I read through scripture, I see that God delights in us making a plan. God wants us to plan things out. He wants us to set a course for our lives, but he also wants us to commit those things, those plans to him. And when we do that, we will not waste the most valuable thing that we all have, and that is our time. Our time will not be wasted when we commit our plans to the Lord. So I hope that next year at this time, 
as we're gathering together and we're welcoming in a new year, I hope that we look at our lives and we look back and say, my time was not wasted. That, that I know that I put God first and I set the beginning of the calendar right and I said, God, I want you to speak into this new year. I want you to speak into my heart and I want to set the course of what's ahead. I hope that you're not just living life where you're just growing older, but that you're choosing to live a life that is growing up, that is maturing, that is wanting to increase in your understanding of God and his ways. Here's the thing. None of us like to be stagnant. None of us like to stay in the same place. But here's the fact of life. Life does not let you become stagnant. You're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. You're either increasing or regressing. There is no in between. But see, here's the thing. This is the gift that we have. We get to choose where we want to go. We get to choose the direction that we want in our life. We get to choose to grow. And that's your choice. Now, in the next few weeks, we're going to be teaching about some practical steps of how to move forward in your spiritual life. And that's really what the next 21 days is going to be like. It's going to let us set our priorities right and learn some self-discipline, some spiritual disciplines in our lives to help set the course so that we can grow and mature and move forward in the things of God. But it's a choice. It is a choice. So I hope that you join us in the next 21 days to, to choose to jump into this time of prayer, focus, and fasting. Now, we have some resources available to you if you've never done anything like this before. We want to show you the why and the how of fasting, and I think it's important for us to understand what we're getting into and, and how to fast and what we should fast and why God calls us to seasons of fasting. I think that's so important to research. But the best way that I could explain it today is this, is that fasting is taking something away from your life for an extended amount of time and choosing to spend that time in the presence of Jesus. That's what, that's what that means. Now, for some of us, it might mean meals. For others, it might be social media, and that might be a good thing in your life, or gaming, or something that you have this craving for, this thing that, that you choose to do and spend a lot of your time in. You're taking that away, and you're replacing it with time with the Lord. Now, in addition to our time of fasting and setting our time aside to be with Jesus, we're also doing a reading plan together. Now, I know some of you have some great devotions that you're doing every day, but I'm going to ask you that in the next 21 days, will you join us in our daily reading plans so that we could all read the same passage of scriptures together and, and kind of do something in unity as we read God's word. And maybe there's opportunity later on for us to engage in what we're reading and talk about what we're, what we're learning from the word of God. So I would love to see that happen. Now, usually we do a reading plan that lasts 21 days, but here's the thing. The Lord spoke to my heart, and he put something, a deep conviction in me about our time reading God's word. And I feel like the Lord wants us to extend it longer than 21 days. You ready for this? The Lord put on my heart that he wants us to read through the entire Bible in one year. Buckle up, guys. Mm hmm I'm glad some people are clapping in the room because I was a little nervous about that because I know that seems like a lot for some people. And you might think, man, I've never done that before. Well, you're not alone. A lot of people haven't done that, but we're going to do that. I feel like 2021 is going to be a time where our church is going to take the time to go through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and we're going to read it together. Now, for me, when I read through these chapters, it takes me about 30 minutes, and I'm a slow reader. So you're going to set a time to, your, to get with the Lord, to spend some time reading scripture, and there's going to be a reading plan, so it's going to get you on a good pace, 
And it's really only going to require 30, sometimes maybe 40 minutes a day. Now, that's, a, that's not even like a couple of shows. You probably spend more time on Netflix and Hulu than that. So can you set some of that time aside? Spend some time reading through Scripture? Because I believe that 2021 is going to be a time that our church, we're going to go through the entire book of the Bible. I'm excited for that. But it's going to take some, some, uh, some willpower, some self-discipline, some consistency in your life. It's going to take some shifting of moving some stuff around so that you can make time with the Lord in his word a priority. Now, you can also listen to it and, uh, and while you're working out or you're driving, but the main thing is that you're getting into God's word every day. That's the main focus of why we're doing this. So 2021, get ready, right? We're going to be going through scripture like never before. You know, another thing, too, is exciting. I want you to save the date because on January 22nd, it's a Friday night. As we wrap up our fast, as we close our fast together, we're going to have a special night of prayer and worship. So I wish that you guys could all be here, whether it's online or in person, but we're going to close out our fast together. It's going to be an exciting night, and I hope you won't miss it. Amen? Well, let's pray for today's passage and sermon. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be together on this day. As we're resetting, refocusing, God, we pray that you would be at the center of it all that our hunger would grow for more of you in this new year. We love you and we thank you. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Continue to move in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, this morning in today's message, I want to focus in on a particular person in the Bible, one of my favorite characters in Scripture, and that is the disciple Peter. The disciple Peter. Now, when most people describe Peter, they think of this loudmouth, boisterous person who always spoke first and thought later about what he said and said, oh, I put my foot in my mouth. That kind of guy. I like that kind of guy. Makes me feel better about myself sometimes, you know? And I look at Peter, and what I love most about him is that he was bold. He was so bold in his faith. I mean, he was the guy that when Jesus was walking on the water and Jesus dared them to come, he stepped out of the boat and walked on water. That's pretty amazing to me. He was the only one. He was also the only one, or the first one, to acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah and the Son of God. I love that about this man. He was so bold and so courageous. Now, as I read through the Gospels, I see a lot of his life, and I see that he was probably one of the ones that we learned the most about. We see his transformation. We see his high, and unfortunately, we see a lot of his lows. Now, this morning's passage, we're going to focus in on the first encounter this man Simon Peter had with Jesus. Now, on that day, Jesus was teaching on the banks of the shore of a large body of water. Now, Jesus would often do this in his teachings because he would gather so many people around that he would have to have open and wide spaces. And so he would often teach in these areas and near this body of water and because the synagogues and the temple were too small. Now, Peter and his family were known to be around this body of water because that's where they worked. They were fishermen. And on this particular day, Jesus was near this body of water, and he's preaching and he's teaching, and these fishermen, Peter and his, and his crew, they're, they're listening to Jesus preach, and they're cleaning their nets, and they just experienced a long and unsuccessful night of fishing, so they could be a bit grumpy, frustrated. So as they're doing that, Jesus sees that the crowd is getting large, and they're not able to hear everything he's saying, and he thinks it's important. He knows it's important for them to hear his teachings, and so he decides to get on a boat let it pull him out a little bit so that he could use the water as a natural amplification. And so the particular boat that he gets on that day happens to be Simon Peter's. 
Now, after Jesus is teaching, Jesus looks at Peter and his crew, and he tells them to roll him out farther into the sea, to the deepest part of the lake. That's where our scripture begins, is Luke chapter 5, verse 4. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, he says, push out into the deep water. Let down your nets for some fish. Simon said to him, teacher, we have worked all night and have caught nothing. In other words, he's complaining. In other words, he's saying, Jesus, you're out of your mind. We are experts. We know what we're doing. We've done everything we've known to do. We came out unsuccessful. We've wrapped up our night. We're cleaning our nets. We just want to go home. I mean, he didn't say it that way, but that's my paraphrase of how he's feeling in this moment. Yet something in him decides to give it one more shot. He says, but because you told me, I will let my nets down. See, even though Peter was the first to speak up and to complain about Jesus' request, what we need to also take note was that he was the first one willing to obey. Remember, up to this point, Jesus was this unconventional rabbi, and so for him to obey Jesus was only a sign of respect, not devotion. So we don't really know what his motivation was for actually doing what Jesus said. He might have tried to prove Jesus wrong. He might have just been, you know, trying to be respectful. We don't know why he was reluctant, but yet Jesus rewards him nonetheless. Verse 6, it says, when they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets started to break. I mean, this is the biggest catch of their life. And they call for help. It says this, that they called their friends working on the other boats to come help them. And they came to, and the boats were so full of fish that they began to sink. A miracle happens. Peter, in this moment, recognizes that this cannot happen without God's help. And so in that moment, he recognizes Jesus as holy. It says this, it says, when Peter saw his posture changed, he got down to the feet of Jesus, it says. And he said this, he publicly confessed around his co-workers, around his family, and he says, get away from me. And that wasn't a sign of disrespect. He was just saying, I acknowledge that you are different. You are holy. You don't know who I am. Why are you near me? Because I don't belong to be near you. He says, go away from me, Lord. He changes his even thought of Jesus. He's not just a rabbi, but now he's a master. And he says, for I am a sinful man. In other words, I'm not worthy. Now, when you read through Peter's life, you see that humility was not part of his character. But in this moment, he was humbled. It says this, it says, he and all those who were with him were surprised and they wondered about the many fish James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were, surpri were surprised also. They were working together with Simon. Now this happens, and what we read next is going to be the most critical part of his life, the critical moment of his life. It says, when this all happened, Jesus then turns to him, and I can just imagine him still with his face down to the ground, not even looking at Jesus, but hearing what Jesus says. Jesus turns to Simon and says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for men. Wow. Jesus could have rebuked Peter. Jesus could have said, you should have listened to me. I told you so. Why did you doubt? Jesus 
could have not said anything at all and walked away and left him dumbfounded. But he doesn't do any of that. Instead, what does he do? He gives this loud mouth, prideful, know-it-all man an invitation to become one of his disciples. This holy man invited this unholy, sinful man to come and follow him. This was unheard of in Peter's day. That a rabbi would, would bring in somebody like him. Somebody with no education, no formal training. This is common, ordinary fisherman. Yet Jesus handpicks him to become one of his followers. Become one of his disciples. No doubt Peter knew the significance of what Jesus was doing in that moment. And he says this, Jesus says, I'm calling you to be a fisher of men. Jesus took what he already developed, what he already knew, and how to catch fish, and he says, I'm going to use that experience. I'm going to use your background. I'm going to use the things that you learned, the lessons that you learned on the sea, and I'm going to take that, and I'm going to bring that in for my purposes. That tells us that nothing is wasted with Jesus. Your past has a purpose with Jesus. Verse 11, it says, when they came to the land and on their boats, Peter and his crew, when they got back, they did something. What does it say they did? It says that they left everything. I mean, let that sink in for a moment. They left everything. They left this monster catch. They left their dream of what they would do with the money that that catch would have brought. They left their business. They left their future. They left the plans that they had, and they left it all, it says, to do what? To follow Jesus. Wow. This is how it all began for this man named Simon Peter. And from that day forward, we read through the next three and a half years of his life, and we see the things that he did, that what he experienced with Jesus. And what we see is that this guy was the most loyal and the most faithful follower of Jesus. I mean, he still had moments, though, where he would speak out of pocket and he'd put his foot in his mouth. He still had moments where Jesus had to correct him. He still had moments where Jesus rebuked him. He still had teach, lots of teaching moments, lots of growing. But let me tell you this, that when I look at his life, he always recognized that Jesus was the master and Jesus was the one worth following and leaving everything for. That's what we see in the life of Simon Peter. Now, fast forward years later, after spending all this time learning and growing and being discipled by Jesus, Jesus is towards the end of his ministry. And on the night of his arrest, Jesus gathers his followers and he has this last meal with them. And in that meal, Jesus begins to start talking to them about what he would have to endure, the suffering that would come. And even he would talk about his death. Now all the disciples in this moment, they're either oblivious of what Jesus is saying or they're in denial because they're so focused on who would be the greatest among them. And yet Jesus now then drops some devastating news to them. He says, all this is going to happen, but you know what else is going to happen? One of you is going to betray me. All of the disciples are shooken up by that news. They're worried. They're thinking to themselves, who is it? Who would do something like that? And they all start talking about themselves, but guess what? Somebody speaks up. Who is that somebody? Peter. Instead of using Jesus's warning as something that would check his heart, he ends up going to Jesus and doing what he normally does. He tells Jesus, I'm the exception to your warning. 
I know myself better than you know me. Friends, I wonder if we still do that with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit tries to check us, when the Holy Spirit tries to warn us, when the Holy Spirit gives those red flags in our lives that tells us maybe you should think twice about this, maybe you should be careful, maybe you should prepare yourself for what's coming. And, and instead of accepting that and leaning towards the Lord, we deny that it could even happen. Maybe we do the same thing, I don't know. Maybe we go to the Lord and say, God, don't worry about this, I got this, I can handle it, I got it under control. This may be a struggle for other people, but I'm not other people. I got this. Peter even goes so far to tell Jesus, he says, hey, look, even if all these other guys deny you, even if they betray you, I would never do that. Even if it means arrest and death, I won't fall. I know this sounds like loyalty, but this is pride. This is a heart of pride. And Jesus knew the heart of Peter, just like he knows our hearts. And so Jesus, what he does is he takes it up to the next level and he makes it personal with, with Peter. And so as a response, Jesus tells Peter, he says, in fact, before the rooster crows, in other words, before daybreak, you would actually deny me three times. Again, instead of taking Jesus' warning seriously, Peter tells Jesus, you're wrong. I would never do that. He gets defensive and he tells Jesus, he says, haven't I been with you long enough? Haven't I been faithful enough? Others have left you and I've stayed with you. Again, this sounds loyal, but it's prideful. Speed it up to a few hours later and they're at a garden. And a band of soldiers come to arrest Jesus. And Peter again reacts hastily by pulling out a sword and swinging towards one of the guards. And he misses the guard's head and he slices off an ear. And what does Jesus do? has to rebuke him again. Tell him, this is not the way I've taught you to live your life. Jesus heals that man's ear. At this time, Jesus is taken away. The other disciples scatter, but Peter decides to follow at a distance. He ends up at the high priest's home where Jesus is taken and put on trial. There, people start to recognize that Peter is one of Jesus' disciples. But what does Peter do? Out of fear, he denies being a disciple, and he goes further and even denies even knowing who Jesus is. At that time, the rooster crows, and it's in that moment that Peter recognizes and realizes the error of his heart. And the thing that he thought he would never do, he just did. That must have been a sickening feeling in his stomach. Imagine the guilt and the shame that he felt in that moment. The thing that he said that he would never do, he did. Have you ever felt that way? Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever came to a place where you're like, God, I would never do that. God, I, I know that I, I wouldn't fall in that way and find life and just get into that spot. And you're just like, man, I'm doing the thing I thought I would never do. Man, that messes with you, doesn't it? There's something that, that, that crashes in your life. It, 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 it implodes in your heart because you're just like, man, I, I'm doing the thing I thought I would never do. My belief does not match my behavior. And I don't know what to do with that. I think that in that moment, you got two choices. You either run to Jesus or you run from Jesus. Peter was in between. There's nothing worse than being in that in-between. Even if he wanted to run to Jesus, he couldn't at that moment because Jesus was on trial. 
And it was in that moment that I can imagine that Peter must have felt like, man, everything is now wasted. All this time that Jesus spent with me, it's all wasted. The hundreds of sermons that I heard Jesus preach, it's all wasted. The countless times I've seen him do miracles, it's all wasted. All the instructions that Jesus gave me, it feels like a waste. Why? Because I failed in the moment. He didn't hold up to the pressure when it was on him. And he wasn't who he thought he was. Friends, I want to tell you, as I was reflecting back in this past year, as I was thinking back of what we had to endure, I think all of us were challenged in so many ways, weren't we? We've had pressure put on us like never before in areas that we've never experienced before. I don't have to go on and talk about everything that transpired this past year, but man, talk about pressure. Maybe you experience it relationally. Maybe your marriage experienced pressure like you never had before. Maybe for some of us who have kids that are in school and being, uh, 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 you know, doing homeschooling and trying to work from home, man, that brought lots of pressure on every side. Hey, I don't even need to get into all the, the, the politics and the social issues that brought pressure into our lives with our friends, with our family, pressure to try to divide, and we felt pressure on trying to keep things unified. I mean, this was a year. If I could define 2020, it was the year of pressure from all angles, from every side. And I've learned a lot about pressure. I learned what we all learned. It's not fun. <laughs> it's a bit painful. But what I also learned about pressure is that pressure is the great revealer of what's inside. Maybe God used 2020 to reveal what's inside of us. Have you thought about that this year? Now, if you're like me, maybe there's been some pressure that's been applied to your life and you responded in a way that you didn't think you would respond. Maybe there is pressure applied in certain areas and you're like, man, I wish I had a do-over on that. Man, that was something that I'd never experienced before and I just, I, I slipped up. Maybe you had moments where the Holy Spirit was giving you red flags and, and cautioning you with, but you just tried to ignore it and say, nah, I got this. And then when pressure was applied, you end up doing the things that you didn't think you would do. Falling in the habits that you never thought you would get a hold of. Doing things in excess that you said you had under control. And maybe that's what 2020 has been like for you, carrying a lot of that, trying to navigate through that. And maybe right now you're blaming it all on the year and you're just like, man, I'm just ready to get this over. Man, last year was just such a waste. I didn't get anything done. I'm not moving anywhere. And I'm ready to leave it behind. But you know deep inside you can't. It's sticking around. See, friends, if I ended up, if I ended Peter's story the way I ended it, it would be a tragic one, wouldn't it? But the good news is that that's not the end of the story. Why? Because there's a resurrection in this story. And what resurrection means is that there's a second chance. There's a new beginning. See, three days after Jesus died, he resurrected and Peter was the first one, one of the first ones to witness the empty tomb. And over the next few days, you'll read that, that Jesus, he 
went to his disciples and he, they interacted with him, but Peter still didn't know where he stood with Jesus. So Jesus makes time for one more interaction with Peter before his ascension, just to let him know that nothing was wasted, that his plan for him was still intact ever since the day he called him on the shores of Galilee. See, Jesus knew how Peter would respond through it all, and he still chose him. Even before he encountered Jesus, Jesus knew him, knew his heart, knew his highs and knew his lows, and still said, you're my guy. And Jesus wanted him to take responsibility to learn from his mistakes and use them as building blocks and not carry them as burdens. See, I believe that Jesus wants the same thing for us this year. Those challenging moments of 2020, those moments, whether we passed the test, whether we fell, whether we had highs or lows, victories or defeats, he wants us to use those things not as burdens that we carry into the new year, but as building blocks as we carry into the new year to build from. And I want to ask you, will you do that this year? Will you go into this new year and carry those things as building blocks? Because nothing is wasted with Jesus, amen? Amen. Not even our failures, not even in our weaknesses. He will use it all for his glory and his purposes. Peter was a different person after going through what he went through, and I think we are different people from going through what we went through. I know that for a fact. And hopefully you're going into this new year with a new perspective on life and a better appreciation for what you have. I know that's my biggest lesson that I've learned. But let's never forget the valuable lessons that the year 2020 did for us. I mean, you might be looking at scripture in a whole new way. I know I am. I mean, scriptures that I've read multiple times of going through what I went through in 2020, they have a whole new light, a whole new meaning. Scriptures like 2 Corinthians 4, 7 that says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the all-surpassing power from God is not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. How many have a whole new meaning of what that means to your life by going through what you went through this year? You know, if you read this scripture fully, Paul is talking about the pressure applied, and he says that when pressure is applied on every side, it says that Christ comes out of our lives. Remember, pressure is a great revealer, and it reveals what's inside of us. So if Christ is not coming out of our lives when pressure is applied, then that needs to be a sign, that needs to be a heart check that we need to lean closer into the Lord. That's what that means. It's a warning. It's a check for us to say, God, I need more of you. And that's the purpose of what this whole season of fasting and praying is about. It's for us to spend more time, us to reflect on these things in our hearts, allow the Lord to search us, to work through that, because that's where real transformation happens. So that when pressure is applied again, we won't fold, we won't buckle, we won't run, we'll hold on. Why? Because this treasure that we have, which is the Holy Spirit, He will sustain us. He will strengthen us, and he will empower us to stay the course. So the next few weeks, I want to teach on some practical steps of what that looks like in many areas of our lives. But for today, I wanted to take a moment to just reflect on this lesson from the life of Peter. To know that nothing is a waste with the Lord. No matter how 2020 ended up, it's not a waste to the Lord. Jesus' plans for you has not changed. Now, as we wrap up, 
I want us to look at Jesus' last conversation with Peter. See, Peter, he ends up going back to the thing that God called him out of, back onto the water, back to fishing. So others follow him, and they find themselves back where it all began. It says that early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't recognize who he was. And he called them out, and he says, Gee, do you have any fish? They said, no. He says, put your nets on the right side of the boat. And as they did, it says they were unable to bring in the number of fish that they caught. And then the disciple that Jesus loved, that was John, that was with Peter, he says, it's the Lord. And once Peter heard that it was the Lord, he jumped in the water. He couldn't wait for the boat to get to the ocean. He wanted to get to Jesus as fast as he could. And so he gets on the shore, and he's excited to see Jesus. And when he finds Jesus, Jesus is by a fire, and he's preparing breakfast, and he tells them to come in. That he's prepared a meal for them. And they sit around, and they're looking, and they're wondering what is happening here. And then comes the moment that Peter's been waiting for. Jesus addresses the elephant in the room. And it says this in verse 15, it says, When they finished eating, Jesus turns to Peter, and he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, I think he's talking about the catch. He says, yes, Lord, I love you. And then he says, feed my lambs. Then Jesus says a second time, Again, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, take care of my sheep. Then Jesus asks him a third time. He says, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now at this time, Peter's hurt because Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? So he's caught off guard. He responds to Jesus. He says, Jesus, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. See, Peter's hurt because Jesus is asking him three times, and when Jesus asks him three times, it reminds him of the three times that he denied him. And that brings a lot of shame. And he reminds himself of his biggest failure. See, Peter is ready to move on. Peter wants to forget that it ever happened. Peter just wants to move past all the things that he did and how he did it. And, and, and Jesus is wanting him to stop. And Jesus is wanting to send him a message that said, in spite of that, I still love you. Even though it did happen, I still called you. I still want to use you. I still have a plan for you. He's saying, Peter, I want you to take your failure. I want to take what that was, and I want to make it part of your testimony. Friends, I want to ask you this question. How about you? Can you take those things of 2020 and make them part of your testimony today or going into this new year? Can you take those moments? Maybe you have some success. Maybe you have some uh-oh moments. Could they be part of your story? We're just so quick to move on, to move past. And Jesus say, no, you're missing the valuable lesson here and what you learned about how big my grace is, how, how much I love you. And in those moments, you need to hold on to them and you need to see them for what they are. And in spite of that, I still got a plan for you. I still love you. I still want to use you. It's not wasted in my hands. 
So will you take a moment to reflect on what that means in your life? What in 2020? Maybe there were some moments where you're just like, man, I wish I wouldn't have did that. I wish I wouldn't have reacted that way. When the pressure was on, I might have shrunk back instead of stepping forward. I thought I knew who I was. I thought I could do this. And maybe you're living with some of that regret, but you've not told anybody. God knows that he sees that, but he's wanting you to take that today. He wants you to bring it to him and he wants you to trust him and say, God, will you take that? Will you make it part of my testimony? Will you help me make it a building block and not a burden? Can I, can I bring it to you right now? Can I, can I go into this new year excited because I know that you've changed me from the inside out, that you've transformed me, that you work through me? See, Peter was never the same. You see him do some amazing things, and I, I don't want us to be stuck. I want us to grow. I want us to look forward to this new year and be like, yes, Jesus, what you've taught me, those lessons, I want to bring those in to the new year. Let me tell you something. What happened to you in 2020, it does not define you, but it did shape you. Have you realized that? Have you taken time to reflect on that and say, how has that changed me? How has that grown me? How has that shaped my life? And God's message to you today is let that be something that you hold on to. Let that be something that you carry into this new year so that you can grow from it, learn from it. That's what God wants for us as we move into this new year. So I want us to close out this way. If you're standing in the room, or you're sitting in the room, will you stand to your feet? We're going to close out in prayer. If you're watching online, will you take a moment to just pause and reflect on this past year? And I want you to think, like, Lord, what did you teach me this year? What, what was the lessons of 2020? What is the part that I learned about myself? What was the part that I learned about your grace? The highs and the lows and everything in between. And Lord, will you use that? Can we have an open heart to say, God, will you use that to be a building block for this new year? Help me to take that with me. So let's pray, Father. We just thank you for this opportunity to reflect on this past year together. God, there's so much that transpired, God. And some of us, Lord, right now, we're sitting in the in-between, God. We've not taken time to slow down enough to have this moment with you that we desperately need, Lord. So I pray for anyone here, God, that is living with regret of 2020, living with some bondage from 2020, living with a stronghold around their neck of 2020, God. Places they thought, things that they thought they would never do, they did. Places that things that they were saying they never thought they would say, God. But Lord, they're living with that guilt and it's a burden upon them. I pray right now, God, that they run to you. And just like what we sang today, God, that it's your blood, it's through what you've done, God, could wash us clean. It's not by our works, it's by what you've done. And we can just humbly go before you and say, God, we need you. And it's with that sincere prayer, God, that you would wash us clean, that you would redeem, that you would break the yoke that holds us back, Lord. I pray that that happens first and foremost. And God, I pray those of us right now, God, that we just haven't taken the time to reflect on the valuable lessons that this year has taught us. God, I pray that it humbles us because we see how great you were in our life, how big your grace was that carried us through to get us to where we're at today. Help us not to forget it. Help us not to move so fast past it, God, but let us acknowledge it and give you the glory and honor for it. Come on, friends. Can you just give him the praise? Can you just thank him right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the lessons of 2020. Thank you, Lord God, because they're making us better. 
God, pray for restoration on anyone that feels that they've lost. Know that you're the resurrection and the life, Lord. So if there's anyone here that's feeling hurt by what happened, Lord, let them see that there's a day ahead of hope and restoration for their life. You can do that. You're that big. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I got one more instruction for you. Will you take what you learned and will you write it down? And will you share it with someone else? Let them know what God brought you through this past year. And let that be a building block for your faith in the coming year. Can we do that? Well, God bless you. I pray that you have a wonderful week. We pray that you jump into our fast. Take this time to pray. Seek the heart of God for the course of your life for this coming year. And join us on the 22nd for a time of worship and prayer. We hope that you're part of that. And also check on our website. We have instructions about all the reading plans and how we do that together. But God bless you. Love you. We'll see you next week.